This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good afternoon to everybody. I have a special guest on the show today. He has been on the show before, and uh, that's Kevin Freeman, who is a uh, noted economist and expert in economic terrorist terrorism is what it boils down to. He's written two absolutely outstanding books, Secret Weapon, How Economic Terrorism Brought Down the U.S. Stock Market and Why It Can Happen Again, and then his most recent is Game Plan, How to Protect Yourself from the Coming Cyber Economic Attack. And Kevin has an extensive background, uh, and uh, uh, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and, and tell my listeners a little bit about your background. Sure, Michael. Um, I appreciate the chance to be here. Uh, my background is investment management primarily, and I got drug into national security issues in 2008 when the stock market was collapsing. A friend was on the uh, working for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and another friend was uh, working as counterterrorism for the FBI. And they asked me, you know, w- what was going on in the stock market, and when I explained it to them, and how easily it could be manipulated, and how it could be manipulated by foreign entities as an act of terrorism or, or even warfare. Uh, they were shocked, and so they took it back to their respective agencies and and eventually hired me uh, through the Pentagon to write Economic Warfare Risks and Responses, which I published in 2009, and then I've been invited to um, speak around the country. I wrote, wrote the two books you mentioned. Uh, one became a, a New York Times bestseller. The other became an Amazon bestseller. Uh, and um, I've been studying and working on economic warfare uh, now since, um, well, now for well, how many years is that? Uh, uh, six years. Yeah, I've heard you speak on several occasions, and, and always you scare, scare me half to death. But uh, the information you give out is absolutely fabulous. And, you know, people need to know about it. And go, go through a little bit about uh, what you talked about in, in Game Plan. And, uh, well, first of all, let's start with Secret Weapon. Uh, what, what do you talk about in that book specifically? Well, you know, when most people turned on the television in 2000, late 2008, early 2009, they'd turn it on and they'd hear about another bank that failed. Uh, you know, whether it, were, it was um, uh, uh, Lehman Brothers or, or any of the number of other institutions, every, every weekend something else failed, and you'd wake up Monday morning and hear about the new name on your, on your checking account. What they didn't realize is the manipulation that took place behind the scenes was what really pushed that problem. And most people are unaware, but foreign governments, terror groups, and others have the capacity through cyber hacking or through just outright manipulation in in dark pools and all sorts of Wall Street things that have been created that, that the average person doesn't really have insight into, they have the potential not only to move the markets, throw us into a recession or inflation or collapse a currency and so forth, but it actually happened uh, when we were most vulnerable in 2008. So I wrote about how sovereign wealth funds in the Middle East appeared to be buying uh, oil uh, futures and driving oil prices up, and oil got to $150 a barrel in the midst of a, a, of a recession. You know, now the economy is growing uh, again, and the price of oil is well below 50. 
But then the economies of the world were collapsing, and for whatever reason, and I know the reason, it was being manipulated behind the scenes, and the price of oil got to $147.50 in June of 2008. That set off an economic collapse, uh, worst one since the Great Depression. And uh, so I recapped all of that in Secret Weapon, and basically an understanding put in layman's terms what a credit default swap is, what naked short selling is, all these complex Wall Street things that nobody understood, uh, at least the general public, and they were literally stealing our wealth from America. Who was doing the manipulating? Well, we found a number of groups, one of which was um, uh, Vladimir Putin's Russia. They were trying to destroy Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac right when we had a housing crisis. They tried to get the Chinese to join them. And we know that. This isn't, this isn't some tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. This has been admitted to by the, Secretary, the former Treasury Secretary Paulson, who mentioned it in his memoirs. He mentioned it in an interview with uh, the BBC. It's very well documented. The Chinese have admitted that this happened. So uh, the Russians were among them. There were there was a lot of uh, nefarious activity coming uh, out of the Middle East through London, and there were complicit actors inside the United States that have been charged with this, uh, and actually settled with the SEC years later, not really ad- admitting how horrific they made things, but certainly admitting that they were uh, exploiting flaws in the system, and and that resulted in the biggest stock market. I mean, the stock market today is hovering, uh, you know, in the 17,000 range. It was driven down in that market collapse to 6,500 from over 14,000. So, I mean, it was a massive, it was a 1929 crash type scenario. Well, what do you see now? I mean, you know, we have this uh, situation where I keep hearing about the Russians trying to manipulate our currency and this sort of thing. Uh what do you see coming in for 2015? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I wrote just a blog post that I just posted last night titled Right Song, Wrong Verse, Reviewing 2014 and Looking Ahead to 2015. And if you remember, about April, May, June of last year, there was all of this talk uh, about the uh, Foreign Tax Compliance Act, FATCA, um, and, and, and the idea that it would cause a a cratering of the dollar because the United States government was requiring foreign, uh, foreign uh, located American citizens to report all of their income, and and, and this was going to cause this massive panic for people to get out of dollar-based assets and so forth. And so it was written up time and again. I actually wrote a post on it in the blog and said, yes, you know, this isn't in the long run good for the dollar, but no, it's not going to cause a dollar crash. And interestingly enough, while everybody in the world thought that the dollar would crash long about June, and all of these blogs and, and, and advertisements and so forth, I, I didn't think it would happen. What I didn't expect, though, is from July to the present, the dollar has had the biggest run-up that we've seen in years. The dollar has gotten stronger, 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 even as Vladimir Putin, the Chinese, uh, Brazil, uh, Russia, India, China, the, the BRICS nations, and others have all conspired to take the dollar down. Despite all that, the dollar's gotten stronger. And, and so that's why I titled my blog post, Right Song, Wrong Verse, because I, I was warning everybody economic warfare was going to happen in 2014, 
but people thought that meant that it would destroy the dollar. In fact, the dollar's gotten extra strong as a result. What, what happens in 2015? I'm concerned that there's a retaliation. We went after the Russians hard with economic sanctions. Uh, we've collapsed the ruble. The Saudis have joined by, by dramatically dropping oil prices. Financial markets have all moved against Russia. What happens if Putin decides to come back and use his cyber capabilities uh, to take down aspects of the government or take down aspects of the financial system? So basically, what I wrote was uh, the few facts of what happened in 2014, one, two, three, four, and then I wrote what, what we can expect to see in 2015. And, and it's all about oil, it's all about the dollar, it's all about cyber. Well, how can people access your blog? It's globaleconomicwarfare.com. Okay, globaleconomicwarfare.com. I encourage people to follow what Kevin's doing here because uh, he knows what's happening. And one of the things I want to ask you about is you talked about Saudi Arabia driving down the price of oil uh, and what that's doing to Russia. And, of course, people in this country are very happy about the fact that they can now buy gasoline for less than $2 a gallon. But I've heard, and, and give me your take on this, that part of the reason the Saudis are doing this is to try to destroy the American oil industry, particularly the fracking industry, to drive down the prices and put our people out of business. Uh, is that that true? Or it, you know? it's not only it's not only true; they've admitted it's true <laughs> repeatedly. Uh, two or three years ago, uh, Saudi Prince Alawid bin Talal said uh, publicly that they would be doing it. And then the OPEC oil minister said, um, the Saudi oil minister at OPEC said, we will be doing it. And, and they've, they've said at least ten times since then, uh, we expect to see the shale uh, industry in America decimated from this. So that's not a theory. That's, that's actually admitted what they're trying to do. Well, it appears that, you know, obviously it's happening. And, uh, they're talking about uh, not expanding the industry and uh, not hiring new people. What kind of effect is that going to have on our economy? Oh, it's, it's, it's devastating. Most of the economic recovery that we've seen since uh, 2009 and why America is better than the rest of the world is we've had uh, growth in, in primarily North Dakota and Texas and, and some growth in Utah. And if you take that out of the equation, our economy's not been growing rapidly. We've not been creating jobs. You're going to put the highest-paying new jobs that we've created in the past five, six years out of work. You're going to put people... So it, rig counts are dropping. Investment, there's $2 trillion worth of derivative investments tied uh, to the American energy renaissance. There's $200 billion in direct loans. Uh, This is potentially, and I put that in my blog, it's potentially as bad as the um, subprime lending situation. So it can be be devastating. Uh, But it can be manipulated both directions, and and we saw today, I mean, oil prices today dropped uh, very, very sharply initially and then actually rebounded in a moment's notice and went higher. And, And that happened because the financial futures markets actually drive the price of oil in the short run. In the long run, it's supply and demand. Well, I know they were talking in Texas yesterday. The, uh, the new governor is about to take office, and uh, 
the legislature convened yesterday, and one of the things they're talking about here is that uh, Texas is going to lose about $14 million in tax revenue uh, due to the drop in oil prices. So, you know, that's something that's directly going to affect the Texas economy. And I know that uh, in North Dakota, it's going to be badly affected. Uh, why are the Saudis doing this? Aren't they supposed to be our allies? Well, uh, for one thing, the Saudi Arabia is always known and used what they call the weapon of oil. Uh, and whether it's an oil embargo because we supported Israel at one point, uh, whether it is driving prices higher, um, it, it's it's always been called a a Saudi weapon. And and Saudi Arabia, for supposedly being our allies, you know, you you look at some of their uh, human rights uh, in in their nation and others, and you wonder, is this really the kind of nation that that America wants to be allied with? And the answer is, we are their allies because we need their oil. And what happens if we get energy independent, which we have? become the largest this year the largest supplier of oil on the planet surpassing saudi arabia and russia if we become energy independent then all of a sudden we might start putting pressure on them and that's not something that that's uh, uh positive uh for right. the for the kingdom all right well let's take our first break now kevin and we'll be back with you in a couple minutes the United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. My guest today is Kevin Freeman, who is an expert on economic terrorism, um, and he's an expert on what's happened to our stock market in the past, the recession that came about in 2008 uh, through manipulation uh, by foreign governments and by uh, people inside our own country. And today we're talking to him about 
what's going to be happening this year in 2015. And one of the things I wanted to, to mention to you, Kevin, has got me very concerned, and particularly as a former military man, and that is that uh, yesterday, and this was a Twitter account, this was not a government that was hacked, but the Central Command, U.S. Military Central Command, which operates in Africa and the Middle East, oversees the command there. Their Twitter account was hacked, uh, as well as a YouTube account being hacked. And, you know, this is, the cyber attacks are increasing. And I know that there was a test run not on a cyber attack, but out in California a year ago, well, almost two years ago now, in April, where gunmen of unknown origin, we don't know who they were, they were never captured, uh, got into an underground tunnel system, cut the phone lines to a nuclear power plant in California, and then emerged and started shooting the plant up. And they basically knocked out this power plant, and they knocked out the transformers and the uh, uh, plant was not able to produce power. It was picked up, fortunately, by other plants. But I saw this as a test run for future attacks on our, our power grid. <coughs> Excuse me. And I know that there have been attempts, cyber attacks on it. How serious is a cyber attack threat to this country right now? Oh, it's extraordinarily serious. And and the idea that, that the CENTCOM comes back and calls ISIS hacking into their Twitter feed as cyber vandalism, as if it were spray painting Go ISIS on the side of a building somewhere. Uh, no, it's, it's much more sophisticated, and it's much more dangerous than that. Granted, they did not get into the classified systems. Uh, it, it was a published, you know, but they put out damaging information, and it's a propaganda coup so that... ISIS is calling fighters around the world. They've just been able to demonstrate that they were able to, to hack the vaunted CENTCOM. Now, in doing that, they proved the weakness that we have, and that's a weakness that we have no matter how secure a system is, it is always has a flaw because there's human, there are human beings that run the system. And, and in CENTCOM, somewhere someone was hacked and gave up the password information that was then used by ISIS. Either that or, or ISIS can crack encryption. And if they can crack the encryption codes, we've got even more serious problems. But I assume what happened is they got someone in CENTCOM uh, to, to fall for a, a ruse and, and stole the credentials, and then they were able to take control. That says that we have poor cyber hygiene. That would, that would be like leaving the door unlocked to the munitions. It, it, it's really, really risky. And you're right. The power plant in California, when they shot that up, it, it was a test run because our electric grid is extremely vulnerable. Uh, it is not designed with the idea that somebody would like to maliciously take it down, including a solar storm. It's not designed with that understanding. It's designed to operate, and, and hopefully things don't go wrong. We have to upgrade that uh, immediately. Because th this is the new form of warfare, it's cyber economic warfare. It's it's use hacking in, and the Iranians have hacked just about every system we have. Can you imagine if they switched and altered the chemicals that are being used at a, at a water treatment plant so that it became poisonous water coming out of the tap? Th this is a very frightening proposition. It's something we need to address immediately. How do we address it? Does the government have to address it, or private industry, or both? Both. And individuals, 
a, a friend of mine is the head of the American Bankers Association. He went with two uh, senior bank presidents to visit the office of the Treasury Secretary, and they shared things. And the question came up, what keeps you up at night? And the answer that, that they almost uniformly gave is, what if we wake up and, and, and there's no record of our accounts, stock market brokerage accounts uh, online anymore? What, what happens then? And so how do we address it as individuals? Well, you better keep paper copies of your statements and not just say, oh, just send it to me electronically, which so many people. If you have your, your email hacked or your computer shut down or, or whatever, or if your provider has, has their system hacked, how can you prove that you have the money in your account that you say you do if you don't have paper statements? That's just a simple way to address it at the individual level. At the larger level, we've got to create something called mutually assured reconstruction, where they, enemies know that if they take down our, our banking system, that we have the ability to flip a switch and turn it right back on. Well, how about the, uh, the danger overall to the electric grid? Uh, what would happen if they were to shut down, effectively hack into and shut down our electric grid how soon could we get it back up, or could we get it back up? Well, it depends on how they do it. If they took in an electromagnetic pulse-type attack and they took out the transformer so that the transformer is no longer operated, or if they used uh, cyber means to achieve this, the same objective, or if they attacked maybe a dozen of those critical power substations with uh, AK-47s like, like they did the one in, outside Silicon Valley, any one of those three would, could shut down the grid for an extensive period, uh, and if it were shut down for a year or more, Congress's congressional studies have reported that a huge percentage of the population would actually die. So it's it's serious. How how do we protect it? Well, we have a a bill that'll be coming up in Texas. Texas has its own power grid. We'll have a bill coming there. Uh, that I'll be in Austin uh, next week with uh, Dr. Peter Pry and Frank Gaffney and a few others uh, pushing for. And nationally, Trent Franks has been leading the effort uh, to secure the grid. I'm part of a Secure the Grid coalition that, that is attempting to address it from a scientific, political, economic um, approach. Well, I know if the grid was to be shut down, of course, you talked about uh, paper copies of uh, your bank accounts and this sort of thing. But, you know, we would lose access to medical information, uh, to uh, access to virtually everything, and communications among the American people would virtually be shut down. And, of course, stores could not order food, and the food couldn't be delivered so for them to sell. So no we're talking, water? No water. So we're no gasoline? About, mm-hmm. So we're talking about basically uh, losing our way of life, and like you say, millions of people dying as a result of it. So what, in addition to what we've talked about already, what does our government have to do? I mean, right now we don't seem to have a leader of this country, and, uh, you know, ISIS was able to hack into the, the Twitter accounts and this sort of thing, and like you say, it was a tremendous propaganda coup for them, and... Uh, we don't have a president that seems willing to even talk about ISIS as being a major threat. No, they call them the JV team. And, and, and yet we could, if, if we decided that it was an absolute imperative that we have backup transformers uh, for our power grids or, or, or created a, a national system of repairing the grid and, and made it a national priority, 
we, we could do it for, uh, some estimates have, have been tens of billions of dollars, which is absolutely nothing if you, if you average that cost out over, over um, you know, the next 10 or, or 20 years. It, it, it's rounding errors in the federal budget. But we spend so much money in wealth transfer programs and everything else that we're ignoring this very real, uh, genuine government, you know, from the constitutional perspective, uh, is is this something the government can do? Well, if it's defense, it's something the government can do. Well, tell me more about this bill of Texas, because obviously, I'm you know, living in Texas, uh, I'm concerned about the power grid here. And uh, what exactly is is designed to do? It's designed to require that the grid operators in Texas to have a response plan. To, to bring back the grid. I'm looking forward to seeing the exact language that they're using. The people that, I, that are involved in it, the legislators that are involved in it, I, I have a great deal of respect for. They've had set in on the briefing, so I know they have, have some grasp. But the state of Texas can say, if you're a power provider in the state, we require that you have a contingency plan if something happens to the grid that you have an ability to bring it back up within and they set a reasonable period and they and they could inspect that that you know that that i think is a legitimate state government function if we do so much as governments that that you know are, are clearly outside of the constitution and i'm not the constitutional expert you are here but it seems to me that that uh uh, promoting the general welfare in this respect uh, to, to where we have a, a defense capability and, and is, is something the government should be involved in. Well, absolutely, I agree, and it's something that uh, is uh, essential for the government to be involved in. Now, one of the things that, that concerns me, and you might want to address this for him if you don't mind, is the fact that the EPA, Obama's EPA, is trying to enforce the cap-and-trade bill that was never passed by Congress. It passed the House of Representatives with Democrat control, but it did not pass the United States Senate. And he is trying to go ahead and implement it and enforce it. And basically, he's targeting Texas because so many of our power plants operate on coal. Uh, that's what runs them. And he's trying to shut down the coal industry. And how dangerous is that to the energy industry in this country? We, it's dangerous. First off, it's dangerous to the Constitution because what what's so troubling is we have laws that were passed, even ones that I disagree with, uh, that were passed by the Congress, signed by the President, making them the law, and he's chosen not to enforce those. Um, and and so that's dangerous. And now he's enforcing things that have not been passed, and that's equally dangerous. So uh, it, it, it seems it appears, as Senator Cruz would say, to be lawless behavior, and 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 then you favor political friends. Why why would you favor one industry over over another? Is it to protect the environment? I don't think so. I, I think it's to pander to a political group, but I think it is also, uh, like you said, it, it hurts Texas more than it hurts other states, and Texas is a is the largest Republican state, just like I. I I think tobacco, I don't smoke, never have smoked, not fond of it, but the tobacco companies were big Republican donors in the 1970s, and they got targeted by Democrats who, who just put out these, oh, smoking is bad for you, smoking is bad for you. Some of those same Democrats are now promoting the laws in Colorado and elsewhere to violate federal law and let uh, let people smoke marijuana, which is much worse for you uh, from a from a standpoint from your lungs. I mean, you, 
and everything else. So smoking is okay if it's marijuana, but it's bad if it's tobacco. Why? Well, because the money from marijuana tends to support support one side politically, and the money from tobacco historically supported the other side. Uh, we're going to go into more with Kevin in just a minute. Uh, let's go ahead and take our second break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy. Only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, today my guest is Kevin Freeman. Uh, Kevin is an old friend, and I consider him to be the foremost expert in this country and possibly around the world in economic warfare, economic terrorism, uh, cyber economic attack. And this sort of thing. And Kevin, we've been talking about some of the risk involved and what our governments can do, particularly state governments, can do to protect ourselves. But you have written a second book, and we talked about your first one. I encourage everybody to read Secret Weapon, How Economic Terrorism Brought Down the U.S. Stock Market and Why It Can Happen Again. It gives you a good idea of exactly what did happen and what possibly is coming. And then your latest book, which is uh, outstanding, uh, Kevin gave me a copy not long ago, Game Plan, How to Protect Yourself from the Coming Cyber Economic Attack. And that's something that I think is very important to people. Now, you mentioned us printing out uh, copies of our bank statements and this sort of thing. What else do we need to do? And first of all, how will this attack take place? And uh, what we talked some about the ramifications of it. But what we can do, to, what can we do to protect ourselves individually? Well, at the personal level, uh, the the first thing that you, you can do besides you know keeping paper copies, and I just want to give a quick story on paper copies. In 2001, when 9/11 occurred, 
I had a line of credit that I needed to access uh, to pay payroll for one of my companies. And so I, I went to the bank and I had paper everything and showed it to them and I was able to convince them to extend on the line of credit and we were able to write a check and my uh, the people that worked for me got paid that weekend which was really significant to them because you know the 15th was shortly 4 days after uh, so it, it worked then it's even more important now so that that is important but on the personal level you need to have a certain supply of food and water I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and when uh, uh, ice storm hit uh, a winter or two ago, every every loaf of bread, every bottle of milk was removed from the just-in-time delivery system of our grocery stores w- within a very short period. You couldn't get bread, milk, or any other staple for a number of days. And all that was was a very temporary ice storm in a town that is one of the major distribution networks for several of the largest uh, grocery chains in the country. So you better have at least a week, probably two weeks or three weeks supply of food at a minimum, as well as access to water. Uh, Water is essential in, in a disaster, and disasters happen, whether it's Katrina or whether it's hurricane in the Northeast. Disasters happen. If a cyber disaster happens, you need to have access. And so you ought to have simple things like uh, radios, uh, uh, walkie-talkie radios that, that you can keep and use, uh, and, and communication plans with your family. And I outlined a lot of this in the book Game Plan. Beyond that, though, people ask the most often asked question when I speak is, you're an investment guy, what do I do with my investment portfolio? How do I invest? And that's a tougher question because you don't know if the dollar is going to get extremely strong as it has recently, which is just killing um, investments in other currencies or investments in, in precious, precious metals have held up, but, but um, uh, other metals, the industrial metals, have not. It, it could just destroy them. Or, or, or if in hyperinflation, they actually go through the roof. So how do you diversify so that you don't get hit too badly? And, and for that, we created a whole institute called the NSIC Institute, National Security Investment Consultant Institute. It's a nonprofit run out of Oklahoma Wesleyan University in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, where we train financial advisors to prepare and care, take care of their clients facing a whole host of disasters. So that's a place you can turn is your uh, your financial planner, financial advisor, stockbroker, insurance agent, whoever you trust with your finances, hopefully they'll go through our education, get the credential, and, and, and be prepared to answer questions because the markets can move one direction or the other, and you need somebody really trained in this that, that can help navigate those very difficult investment waters. Well, what about, uh, for example, one of the things that uh, concerns me is the possibility that if we do have a major cyber attack or something else happens that brings our economy crashing down and uh, brings our uh, electric grid crashing down, what do you need to have on hand? Is cash going to be any good at all? I mean, if you put stuff cash under your mattresses, is that going to be any good, or do you need to have something like silver or even gold that will, I think, if you know we have an economic collapse, silver and gold is going to go through the roof, the price of them. So yeah. what's your opinion there? I actually suggest that you keep um, some level of cash because initially 
when we've seen these kind of things at various places around the world, uh, initially you walk into a grocery store, they won't know what to do with, with, with silver. And they won't know how to value it. They won't, won't know what to do with it. Now, Utah has a legal tender act, and I've got sitting on my desk one of the first uh, one-ounce silver coins that they produced. When they produced it, it was $50 an ounce, and now it's, you know, 16 or 17 something like that. Uh, and so those are important. So I would suggest that you have all three, uh, some silver, which is easily tradable, some gold, uh, and, but, but also some, some cash. And you might have, uh, right now, the dollar is extremely strong. And people, if you, if you were able to get uh, um, gasoline out of a pump after the electricity was, was off, and there are some manual pumps that can be used and so forth, the guy behind the counter is not going to know what to do with silver initially. He'll, he'll want cash. So, uh, and, and if it's a short-term phenomenon, then cash will work and be just fine. So I, I, keep a, I recommend that people keep a little of all three. And if, if you are one who has the uh, gun permits and all of that, then um, actually ammunition works pretty nicely for barter. And, and as things get worse, it, you, you go down the cash is the easiest to use when things are decent or, or just a little bit bad, and you go down to where eventually you're trading, bartering food and water. And hopefully we never, ever get to that. But I, I do talk about these things in game plan and how they have different values at different times. Well, we have, I know, uh, some you know, things in common as far as that ice storm in Dallas, Fort Worth. I remember that. But the thing I remember, and this was a, a lesson to me that occurred years ago. We're talking about 1994. I was a Boy Scout leader in, in Baton Rouge, had the largest scout troop in Louisiana, and four sons of the scouts. So we had plenty of camping gear in our house and everything. And Hurricane Andrew hit. Now, Hurricane Andrew devastated parts of Florida. But then he came across the Gulf and came through Louisiana up into Baton Rouge. And basically the power in our neighborhood was knocked out for uh, a week. And, of course, you couldn't go to the stores because they were closed. They had no power. You couldn't go buy anything. And there was no electricity. Well, what we did is we pulled out our propane stoves and we pulled out our camping gear and we pulled out our lanterns and people would go drive by our house at night and slow down to look and wonder why the heck we had power. Why we were sitting there with our house lit up and I was cooking on the propane, uh, cooking the foods that, that, that would possibly spoil. So that taught me the lesson that you have to be prepared. And that's why I'm encouraging people to read Game Plan, get a copy of it, Game Plan, How to Protect Yourself from the Coming Cyber Economic Attack. And they can find that, I assume, on Amazon and everything, Kevin? Absolutely, or or they can go to secretweapon.org, and you can click and find the lowest price on the book. It, it's has been as cheap as three dollars a book about three weeks ago. Uh, Amazon, for whatever reason, was selling it cheap. It's back up to sixteen eighty five because the demand at the start of the year has has uh, pushed the price back up. But it, I I think it's worth sixteen eighty five, uh, um, and I think it, it can save people a lot of money. So secretweapon.org or Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Okay, great. Is it an e-book yet? It is. You can get it for the Kindle. And you yeah. can get it on audio as well. Some people prefer to, to listen as they're driving in the car. Yeah, I'm not into e-books myself, but my kids, you know, that's what they they read these days. And so uh, uh, my books, a couple of my books have been made into e-books and they're selling uh, dramatically as a result of that, and hopefully yours will do it just as well. 
But I can highly recommend both of these books. And again, give us the information about your blog. How do they, they access that? Yeah, you can start from secretweapon.org, and there's a blog tab, or you can go straight to globaleconomicwarfare.com, and if you want to go there and subscribe where it's automatically emailed to you, there's a, a little subscribe box where you put your email address in and then click subscribe, and it'll put you automatically on the list, and, and you'll just receive it every time I write an update. It'll just come straight to you. Fantastic. Well, we, you know, we've talked about the, the cyber attacks and this sort of thing, and who are the, the major threats out there? Who are the major players here? I know Iran is doing it, but... We also have these individual hacking situations where uh, Target, for example, we lost, a lot of people lost their individual information. I'm well aware of what can happen when you, your identity is, is compromised because I got a letter, well, about seven years ago from the Department of Defense, or actually from the Veterans Administration, uh, saying, guess what? Uh, we lost a computer. Uh, we misplaced one of our laptop computers. It had 250,000 names, addresses, and Social Security numbers on it of veterans, and yours was one of them. And we don't think anything bad is going to happen, but you need to monitor your credit report. Well, nothing happened bad for two years, and then all of a sudden I had no credit. Uh, there were all kinds of accounts being tried, people trying to open accounts in my name, using variations of my name, using variations of my Social Security number. And I am just now getting back to having it rebuilt. So that you know, that's an individual story. And I don't know who stole the computer, but obviously somebody did. So we have the the individual targets uh, being hacked, uh, stores, and this sort of thing. Is that something that the Russians or Iranians are doing, or is that simply thieves coming after us? Both. Uh, what what happens is these criminal networks in um, places like Russia will hack into and then sell the information. And those same criminals are, in in some cases, supported by the nation-state which houses them. Uh, and so we have North Korea is a, is a cyber threat, Iran, uh, Russia, China would be the big four. But then they're all, th- all through Eastern Europe, they're, they're groups that... Um, have historically had the you know criminal networks that have hacking capabilities added into them, and then there's the hackers here in the United States, and it could be you know one of the one of the uh, responses I saw to ISIS hacking the CENTCOM, they said, well that happened in Maryland, so it couldn't have been ISIS. And I said, well that's one possibility. If it happened in Maryland, it's one possibility. It wasn't ISIS. What's scarier is what if it was in Maryland and it was ISIS. Because we have open borders, so it, it could happen from anywhere. Well, I know for a fact that through my military intelligence contacts, that ISIS is now operating in Texas, one cell that we cell area, uh, Fort Bliss, uh, the second largest military installation in this, has been basically on def one for several months now, attacks there. And uh, so we have ISIS operating here in Texas, and uh, we have probably cells all over the country and al-Qaeda cells. And how much of a danger do you see that to our power grids and that sort of thing? It's, it's, it's huge. Like we, we talked about, 
uh, the the idea that if you can go at the Metcalf Power substation, which was a, it's a substation, electric substation, and you could go there and outside Silicon Valley and and you could shoot it up. Well, what if if there were a simultaneous attack on a dozen of them? Well, according to Wall Street Journal, according to documents that that were released, if you hit the right dozen on the right day when the power drain is high, you take down the whole grid. We're aware of this, and they're. ISIS is aware of this. They're, they're purposely planning it, and they're threatening. So when they say, we know where you are located, you send a lone wolf attacker in. Look what happened in, in Paris, uh, right. where they went into yeah. the which magazine. We need, take, we need to take our final break now, and we'll be back with Kevin in a minute. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back for the final segment. Uh, my guest today is my good friend Kevin Freeman, and he is an expert in economic terrorism, uh, economic warfare, and has written two fine books, Secret Weapon, How Economic Terrorism Brought Down the U.S. Stock Market and Why It Can Happen Again, and Game Plan, How to Protect Yourself from the Coming Cyber Economic Attack. Um, you can get both of these books uh, through the Internet. You can get them through uh, Kevin's website and blog, and I encourage you to read these books. Both of them are very good. Both of them are very important and particularly game plan, how to protect yourself from the coming cyber economic attack. Because we, we know that it's coming. We know that it's going to happen in all likelihood. Uh, we don't know how much damage they can do or how extensive that damage will be or how long the damage will last. But I'm preparing my family and uh, to have enough food and water and this sort of thing on hand so that we can withstand one that even lasts for a lengthy period of time. But one of the things Kevin and I were talking about during the break uh, is we need to look at uh, something else that's happening in this country and talk about it, and that is the fact that there's an all-out assault in this country right now by government entities 
and institutions such as universities and schools, an all-out assault on Christianity, an all-out assault basically on any religion besides Islam, which is being protected by these institutions. Uh, David and I were talking earlier today. He sent me a link to the fact that Duke University is now having the Muslim prayer calls on Fridays uh, to placate the, the radical Muslims on their campuses. But uh, Kevin and I, you know, both are believers. Uh, we both feel that our religion is important. And Kevin, uh, tell us about uh, how you view this, what we're doing in this country as far as turning away from the Lord. The the last chapter of the book game plan deals with ordering your priorities, and, and I I really firmly believe that the Bible is God's word. And in Deuteronomy of the Bible, it talks about a nation under a blessing and a nation under a curse. And you read what the blessing is, and it's where you lend to many nations and borrow from none. Well, we owe eighteen trillion dollars around the world. How do, how did we get in that debt? Well, we're a nation under a curse. What puts us under a curse? Jesus said. You, you cannot serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other, and the two masters would be God and money. And we've, cho- we've chosen money over God. And so we're removing systematically God and the worship of God from everything in our life, uh, and, and we've substituted what we call the almighty dollar. Well, the Bible says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And if we put money ahead of God, we should expect that God will strip us of money. And that's why it's an economic war. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. And the hope for America, if we want to survive as a people and a nation, the hope for America is Second Chronicles 7.14. The American people need to stand up and say, we do believe in God. We don't, you know, in Duke, you're having um, um, called a Muslim prayer, and yet you won't let somebody pray in Jesus' name at a football game. You won't let somebody pray in Jesus' name, even at West Point when Lieutenant General Boykin was was uh, invited to pray there, and pray there, and the Muslims objected to having him pray there, and he wasn't allowed to pray. So the bottom line is is that we've got to return as a nation to God. We were built on Judeo-Christian roots, and and most of the founders believed in God. They believed in in a Christian God. The Supreme Court rulings in the early part of our nation were were all that we were a Christian nation. We've turned our back on that because we think it will prosper us. It will not. And the only hope we have is, is to return to the truth of the Constitution, and the Constitution allows us to have free freedom of worship. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I, I put in, uh, I have written a booklet called Our Constitution, the same name as this, this show, that uh, where I take each article, each section of the Constitution, each amendment, and put them in the way they were originally written. And then I put my comments about what they really mean. Well, I had two PhDs not long ago contact me and say, you know, we did not know until we read your booklet that the phrase separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. They said we were taught in high school and in college that it was part of the Constitution and it had to be rigorously enforced. That, to me, is one of the perversions that's taking place is about what our Constitution means. The First Amendment of the Constitution doesn't provide for freedom from religion. It provides for freedom of religion. And I see this so-called political correctness uh, movement as being something that's destroying our country, destroying our religious freedoms. But what's your take on that, Kevin? Oh, a- absolutely, it's destroying our, our religious freedom. And again, we have a religion in America today. It's official state religion. It's, the, it's government and, and money. 
and 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 that's a false religion it always will end in devastation uh the founders principles were right uh, the nation was built on them and if we will go back and return to god and put money in its rightful place as a useful tool and government on a limited basis uh, under the constitution it, it works very well but the path we're on right now is not a good path well, do you see that path continuing well, it's up to the people. It really, truly is. It, ultimately, if the people will turn, we've seen um, massive communist governments toppled by a movement of the people. If the people of America will return with their hearts to God, I believe that that this nation can be saved. That's the hope that I'm working towards, and I know that's the hope you've been working towards with your education and and, and all of your efforts. So it's important for people out there to uh, to support each other and to support our Constitution, because that's what it's all about. The Constitution, that I point out in this little booklet, and people can go, by the way, go to my website at uh, www.constitution.jigsy.com and find out how to order copies of that booklet. Well, it seems that we have lost... Uh, Kevin, are you still there? I'm still here. I, I just want to say... I think we lost uh, Michael some way or the other. I, Michael, are you there? No, I believe I heard I, him uh, some way. He must I, have I, hit the wrong button. I just want to say Michael is right um, uh, that, that on the Constitution, and we will lose the economic war if we don't return to it. Let me let me ask you another question because we got just a few minutes and I hate to close out too early if you don't mind me taking up for Michael for a second, um, Kevin. One the the thing that worries me probably it relates to everything and I don't know. Do you ever watch uh, or happen to watch Waters World on O'Reilly? Uh, it's a man on the street type thing. Who is this picture of and? Oh, uh, I think that's George Washington. Well, what did he do? Well, he was president. Well, when was he president? Oh, I think he came after Lincoln. This was the latest one. But is the, I don't know any other, I don't know a nice way to say it, but we've got 52% of our country that can't spell their own name. They have no clue about history. They have no clue about the Constitution. And... How do we get to them with, you know, they're going to be the ones that don't have food. They, they're they not prepared. They don't have cash. They, you know, something happens and they're going to be the, but how do we get to them before that? Well, I, I think the first thing we need to do is we need to ta- teach the principles of our, of, of our nation what it was founded on. If we did, if conservatives would be smart, they would show up at the border when people are crossing and say, hey, look, they won't let me enforce the border laws, so as long as you're coming into my country, I want you to know what we stand for, and I want you to know what incredible opportunity is here for people who follow the rules and do things right. And teach the Constitution, the benefits of it. Uh, teach American history. Because, you know, I, I, I have kids. They were fascinated with this history. It's just got to be taught in a way that they understand it and not this political correctness garbage. And so maybe we should require everybody coming into the country to watch Dinesh D'Souza's movie on, on America. Um, and, 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 you know, get rid of this, this effort 
to dumb down history and to tell how bad America has been historically because that's just not factually correct. <laughs> uh, so we've got to counter the, this, these very subversive uh, efforts. Don't, don't and and, and that's what people them. shut out is they 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 say, well, you know, America is really bad, and the, the America does bad things. No, America is good, and and we need to teach our history. And where we're doing bad things, why don't we find them, expose them, and move on? Don't, don't you love the term rewrite history? Yeah, I, I didn't. You yeah. know, I've never been able to understand. I'm so dumb because I went to tech, I guess. But I thought history was history. Rewriting it. Somehow, is an oxymoron that doesn't fit in my uh, in my head. I, I can't buy into that. Um, I, I like your idea on 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 giving them, showing them the movie, whatever. I guess we'd have to do it in Spanish, probably. But the the next thing too is that it's interesting that the people that come here legally and become citizens, in many 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 cases, they know more history than our graduating. Uh, uh, high school seniors do, or they know more history than the man on the street does. And I, I don't know if you've, you've been watching this, but it, it's a phenomenon that, that we have, over since 1960, I believe, the country has been dumbing down. Would you Would you agree with that? Yes, and it, it's it's directly connected to the federalization of education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you move education back to the most local level, the closest to the people, and then you give a competitive spirit about it. You know, Common Core takes away, goes the opposite direction. Give a competitive spirit about it. Communities used to take pride in educating their children. Now they feel like it's big government's responsibility, and they don't even get into it. Parents don't want to get involved. We've made math so hard that parents can't sit down with Common Core math and actually engage their students and show them 2 plus 2 does equal 4, no matter what the textbook says. So you know, there's there's a conservative answer to every one of these problems, and this one, the answer to this one, is to get education back to the to, to the family, and then rebuild the family because parents want their kids to learn history. They want to be proud and have their kids proud of being Americans, and they want them to learn the answers, and they want uh, the the control at the local level so that we don't just give up and say it's a mindless bureaucracy. I don't care. Uh, Kevin, uh, we've got to end it now. I want to thank you. I don't know exactly what happened to Michael, but uh, I express his appreciation for you being on our Constitution, his show, and um, we look forward to talking to to you in the future. Thanks, David, and thank you, Michael. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.